Good morning, Village Church. All right, lots of familiar faces out there and uh, a lot of unfamiliar faces. So I just want to give you a real quick uh, bio and a little just tell about where I've been and how the Lord brought me to this place. Again, my name's Matt Weems, and my wife Sue and I and the kids, uh, one of them sitting right up here on the front. Yeah, I'll probably embarrass you today. It's okay. Um, We've been here in Blythewood for three years and have had the opportunity to serve here in Village Church uh, doing security, doing uh, V group, uh, helping out in the children's ministry. And I guess Eric figured out if I could preach for the kids over there, I'm probably okay to preach for you. Is that right? You're going to be good with that? So, so my background, I grew up in Oklahoma. Don't hold that against me. It's okay. I know Eric was in Oklahoma yesterday because he and I are both from Oklahoma originally, uh, but then we got out. It's okay. And so I, I left Oklahoma after high school. I, I got saved when I was 11. Uh, I got called to ministry when I was 15 or 16 years old, and then I started to run. Anybody ever try to run from the Lord? Okay, it doesn't work very well. I, I ran into the United States Coast Guard right out of high school thinking I could avoid doing God's call, which was to be a preacher and to be in the gospel ministry full time. Didn't work out so well. I kept running right back into him every time I turned around. I thought I could be bad enough and I could do enough terrible things that he would say, no, 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 not for me. But he st- he kept loving and kept calling. So back in, back then in the Coast Guard, I surrendered to him and got out and went to went back home to Oklahoma, to Oklahoma Baptist University, where I met the love of my life, Sue. She's back there in the corner with my other kids. And she teaches here in Blythewood at the high school. We, we love this community. And so after, after high school, or, or should I say after college, uh, we went to Arizona, where she's from. And I was a youth pastor there in Arizona for a few years, working on my seminary degree, uh, never knowing that chaplaincy would be on the radar. But then 9-11 happened, and the world changed. And so we answered the call. And at that point, we made the transition in 2002, in the summer of 2002, to start training to become a Navy chaplain. And then in the fall of 04, came on active duty to 3rd Battalion, 4th Marines, an infantry battalion in 29 Palms, California, out in the high desert of California. Three months later, I was boots on the ground with the Marine Infantry Battalion in Fallujah. Okay, so spending some time with those men doing the mission that they had been called to do in combat. And the Lord taught me a lot of things about what it means to be a Navy chaplain, to be present to people in adverse circumstances. And that's, that's the heart of naval chaplaincy, is to be with the troops wherever they are, doing what they do within reason in order to build relationships so that when life crumbles down around them, we have opportunity to speak truth in those hard times. And that's to point to Jesus if we can, to help facilitate their needs for their religion if that's their case, or just to care for people in general. Because the troops need that. They need somebody that'll smile at them and treat them with respect and dignity and love them where they're at. And that's what, that's what God called us to. And so from 29 Palms, we went to Southern California, another part, to Camp Pendleton, where I worked for MCRD, the Marine Corps Recruit Depot, helping make Marines. Then we went to Norfolk, Virginia. I want you to get a scope, kind of how the Lord works, Arizona to the desert, to the beach, to another beach over to, on a ship that's very similar to the one that, you'll, that you see up on the screen up there, the USS Wasp, okay? And then God took us to Okinawa, Japan after that tour on the ship and had a great time, loved those people, loved that place. Highly encourage you, if you ever get a chance to go to Japan, I, I encourage you to go there and experience that culture. 
But then, lo and behold, somebody thought it was a good idea to bring me here to South Carolina to the Naval Chaplaincy School and Center where I currently serve as one of the instructors, uh, helping ministers become chaplains and helping mid-career chaplains learn what it means to supervise, lead, and manage other chaplains and other things going on in this ministry. So it has been fabulous, but I have to go. It's time to go. My three years are up here, and we are headed to what you see on the screen. That's where I'm headed. Uh, I'm headed to the USS America. So that so I'm actually going to be America's Navy chaplain, okay? I thought that was so cool. The Navy did this whole theme about America's Navy, and then I get to be America's Navy chaplain. So I'm excited, but I covet your prayers for this next tour because this next tour brings a different degree of difficulty is because Sue and them are staying here. Sue and the kids are going to stay right here in South Carolina. We have, we have had the blessing of being planted in this wonderful church. Sue serves in a wonderful school district, and the kids love it here. It's just good. And, and with a graduate, a senior, a sophomore, and a sixth grader, I think we better just stay put for a little bit, all right? And, uh, and I'll go over and serve and, and do that, but we'll see what happens. So pray for us as we get that journey going. But I know you didn't come just to hear my story or hear me talk about chaplaincy. You came to hear about Jesus, didn't you? Okay, I just wanted to make sure I was in the right spot. You know, I'm going to talk about Jesus, right? That's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the scripture, and we're going to talk about him. Because the title of the message, if you have a bulletin, you know that the title of the message today is Because of Jesus. And I would tell you that because of Jesus, I was saved. And because of Jesus, I left home thinking I could run from God, and yet God kept bringing me right back home. And because of Jesus, I did youth ministry. Because of Jesus, I became a chaplain because of Jesus, we're right here in South Carolina today to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, what about your life is because of Jesus? And I want us to take an accounting today of our lives. Look at our past, and we're going to do that through the lens of Paul. He's going to tell us about his past, he's going to tell us about his present, and he's going to tell us about his future. So keep track of that as we go through here. Those questions that are in your bulletin are there to kind of guide you. Because after this message, within a couple of days, you'll forget most of what I've said. But you can at least go back, and if you've taken some notes, you can go back and look and say, okay, I need to think about this and what this all means. So if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. You will need your Bibles, okay? Uh, I think I goofed it up, and I didn't send them everything this week. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 7, okay, and run through verse 11. So it reads this, but everything that was gained to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. 
I want you to know that because of Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. And the first question I want to ask you this morning, and those questions will be on the screen, is have you lost anything because of Jesus? And these questions that are in your bulletin, you can put Jesus because of Jesus before or after. I just want you to, to think about them and to reflect on what Paul has said. Let's think about the text. In verse 7, Paul says this, But everything that was gained to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Paul's taking a, a view into the past. If you remember, Paul, before he became Paul, he was Saul, and he was a Christian killer. In the book of Acts, it, it tells us that he was this young, up-and-coming Jewish rabbi, Pharisee, that knew everything, was just vicious when it came to persecuting the church. He had it out for Christians. And yet, now we read in the text, and if you look back in the text, and we don't have time to do it right now, the verses that precede where we just read tell us about his pedigree. I mean, Saul was awesome in the eyes of the Jewish people. He was the man. But when he gets to our text today, he says, all of that that was gained to me is gone. It is lost because of Christ. And why is that? Because on the way to kill some Christians in Damascus, if you remember in the book of Acts, he runs into who? Jesus. He met the living Christ on the road to Damascus and everything changed. And I, and I ask you this, have you met Jesus? Have you lost anything because you met Jesus? Or is, is the life of the past still the life of the present in your life? I would say that Paul says everything is lost. Everything is a liability. He's, he's talking in accounting language here, right? In the past, he had all these great things because he was a Jewish leader. But now, because he's a Christ follower, he's lost it all because of Jesus. Is there anything in your past that you have not surrendered to Jesus like Paul? Verse 8 says this, more than that, I also can, and I want you to hear the shift. He was talking about the past, now he's talking about the present. In verse 8, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss. Why? In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 25 through 26, Jesus says this, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Paul counted all things as loss compared to Jesus in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus. Now, Paul, I want to explain to you, didn't just have a head knowledge. He didn't just know about Jesus. He knew Jesus. And I want to ask you this morning, is do you have a relationship with Jesus? You hear Christians talk about that all the time, right? We talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you? Or do you just know Jesus? Or has it translated from your head to your heart what it means to know Jesus and live in obedience and put aside everything for his sake, for his value? Because if you read the rest of that verse, he says, Christ Jesus, my what? My Lord. Jesus wasn't just 
Paul's savior. He was his Lord. He was in charge of him. And, and Paul felt the, the weight of that. Jesus was the ultimate worth, value, and treasure. Paul had entered into this personal relationship. Paul was writing about an experiential knowledge, and he had completely surrendered his life to the Lord. Now, is there anything keeping you from seeing the surpassing value of Jesus as your Lord? I think we all need to ask ourselves this question probably daily because it's really easy to get distracted in this life, isn't it? We're distracted by our phones. We're distracted by our stuff. We're distracted by relationships. We're distracted by other priorities that can keep us from valuing Jesus as the most important, the infinite treasure. Now, you remember, Jesus talked about this in a little parable. Okay, The little parable was about this pearl that this guy found. If you remember, it's like two verses in the writings about Jesus. Jesus said there was this guy who went out in the field and he was looking around and, and, and lo and behold, he finds in, his, in this field a pearl. And this thing had to have been huge, right? It was the pearl of great price. And when he found it, he looked around. He's like, hmm. He digs a hole, he buries it, and he goes back home and he sells what? Everything to buy that little field. The pearl of great price. He sold everything to have that. Now, in our lives today, have we lost anything because of Jesus? Have we given up anything because of the value of Jesus? He goes on to say this, because of him, Jesus, I have suffered the loss of all things. Now, I, if you remember, where was Paul at when he was writing this letter? Anybody? Yeah, this is one of the prison letters. Paul was really in prison. He had really, legit, lost everything because of his relationship with Jesus. You've you got to remember, Paul came from being like the man to being a nobody in prison, but a nobody to the world. But he was a follower of Christ. He suffered the loss of all things. Now, now I want to take you to this next part because he not only, because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things in a real way, he considered them filth. He, he actually looked at all the past, all the present, anything that could compare to Jesus, and he says that it's filth. Now, have, have any of you ever heard a preacher cuss in church before? Anybody? I've heard a preacher drop one before. They get, they get really into it, and they, they get, get going, and the next thing you know, they drop some... I don't know if I've ever heard him drop the F-bomb or anything in church, but but Paul, you've got to understand when he's writing this letter, he, what is he talking about when he says filth? Well, the translations go lots of different ways. It could be like discarded moldy food, yuck, a rotting corpse, dung or crap, right? Paul wasn't even using that kind of language. He was actually saying the S word here. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to offend anybody. This, then Eric will call me and it'll be, it'll be ugly. But I'm just saying, he was very strong in how he felt about anything else other than Jesus. Are you that strong towards anything that's keeping you from Jesus? Is there anything in your life that you're holding on to that's taking over where Jesus should be in your life? Paul would say it's all crap. 
so that I might gain Christ. So he goes from filth and he goes to saying, now here's the real story. I might gain Christ and be found in him. What is it about Jesus that makes losing everything so worth it? I'm going to tell you here in just a little bit. We're going to get to the heart of this text in just a second. But you and I are on a lifelong journey to understand the depths of what it means to follow Jesus. This is, this is a long story. Okay, it's a, it's a marathon. And you and I, at this point in our life, we don't know everything about Jesus. Hopefully you've experienced Christ, but hopefully you're beginning to understand that gaining Christ and losing the world is okay. And that to know Him and to gain Him and be found in Him is the ultimate thing. Let me ask you this. If someone were looking, would they find Jesus in you? Or you in Christ? Let me say that again. If someone were looking, would they find Jesus in you or you in Christ? Paul says, so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. He's talking about present language and future language. He wants people to know he's in Christ. I mean, Paul's kind of big on this. He used the words in Christ in some way, shape, or form over 260 times in the New Testament. What does it mean to be in a relationship with Jesus? That's key for Paul. And so he had this future, present relationship with Christ, and Paul was leaning into it. At the end of his life, you had to know that all that Paul was thinking about was pleasing Christ and living for Jesus. So let's move on to the, to the I think, the center of this text. So the first question, of course, have you lost anything because of Jesus? And next, why are you righteous? Why are you righteous? Well, I'm going to tell you it's because of Jesus. Paul says this, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. Righteousness equals right standing with God. Apart from Christ, we are not righteous. Okay? Paul was an expert at the law. This cat could, I mean, the rabbis had memorized the Torah, the first five books of the law. They had it down pat. But Paul would tell you himself, even though I knew it all, I couldn't do it. How many of us do everything right all the time? I think if we did the accounting, we would all say, fall a little short of that one. Okay? God's standard for righteousness is perfection. There's nothing I can do. Paul said, I would said, I used to do the law, but I still wasn't good enough because it's not about being good. It's about having Jesus. Can you hear me this morning? I want to tell you that at the center of this text, it's all about Jesus. It's all about putting the past behind and taking aboard Christ. I love it when he shifts, but one that is through faith in Christ. Paul contrasts the law and the gospel here. Now, here's just a quick reminder because you, you you're probably hearing me say gospel, and some of you roll your eyes in the back of your head, or some of you go, ho-hum, the gospel, Jesus. It can happen so fast in our lives where we hear the words good news or faith in Jesus, and we just say, got that. But folks, remember, Jesus lived the perfect life you and I are not able to live. If God's standard for righteousness is perfection, you and I do not meet it apart from Christ.
Jesus died on our behalf because of our sin, though he was sinless. Though he was sinless. Jesus rose from the grave victorious over our sin and death so that you and I might have hope that someday we can live beyond sin and death in eternity. Jesus offers us forgiveness and right standing before God if we'll accept it by faith. The center of the Christian faith can be found right here in this little statement. Our right standing with God, catch this, is based upon Jesus right standing with God. There is nothing you and I can do, say, think, that will ever earn us God's love. God loves you in spite of you. In spite of me. He loves us because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made the one, that's God made Jesus, who did not know sin to be sin. For who? What does it say? For us. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Because of Jesus, you and I are righteous. When Jesus went to the cross, God put all our sin and guilt on him. In exchange, God put all of Jesus' righteousness on us. Okay? Take that in for just a second. Everything foul that you have ever done and will do, God said, got it. Put it on Jesus. And in turn, took everything Jesus had done right, his perfect holiness, and put it on you. Let that sink in for this morning. That's the most important thing. That's the way to righteousness. That's the way. It's through Christ. And, and I don't want to miss this opportunity this morning. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? If not, then today is the day. Trust him now. The Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you have faith in Christ or do you have faith in yourself? Folks, when we stand before God at the end of all things, we better have faith in Christ and righteousness that is from God based in faith. You know, the writer of the Hebrews says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Remember, it's all because of Jesus. Third question, if you're tracking, what is your goal? So let's, let's just take just a second. If you're in the text, go back, look at verse 10. Follow with me for this last little part. My goal is to what? know him. Okay, this is a present and a future statement. To understand and experience him personally. This is why we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Remember, Paul says, my goal, to know Jesus. But what does it mean to know Jesus? Paul explains it here in the text. To know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Okay, the power of his resurrection, rebirth, renewal, ongoing, life-giving relationship. From death because of sin to life because of Jesus. Did you catch that? From death because of sin to life because of Jesus. This power operates in our lives. It enables us to love with God's love people who you don't want to love. Anybody? 
Anybody got somebody that you don't really like? How are you supposed to love them? Because God says we're supposed to love him, love all, right? You do that through the power of God through the resurrection of Christ. That power that resurrected Christ now lives in you because of the Holy Spirit in you. You get to have that and experience that. Now, I would say that the power of the resurrection also sustains this next part. What's the next part? Suffering. And the fellowship of his sufferings. He suffered. We suffer. Anybody think you were going to get out of suffering because you got Jesus in your hip pocket? Anybody suffer in this life? Every hand should be raised in this room. We all suffer. And we know a Savior, his name is Jesus, who is acquainted with suffering at a depth and a level that you and I will never know. Trust me, that you and I will never know. But yet it's, Paul is saying, hey, I want to know the power of the resurrection and I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul was called to suffer. If you were to go back and read it in Acts chapter 9, God actually told Ananias and said, tell Paul how much he will suffer for my name's sake. Have you thought about that lately? What does it mean? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew 16. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Dying to yourself and sin daily. Fighting the good fight. Now, because here in the West, how much do we really suffer? Not much. Do we? Do we, though? I would say that we suffer in a different way. We may not suffer physically. We're not sitting in a prison. We're not beaten, not having our heads cut off. Whatever that is that's happening, trust me, around the world in places where people who put their faith in Christ lose their life. But those places and those believers would also look at us and say that we've got it worse than, than anyone. Why is that? Because we've got so many little G-gods in our life that keep us from following the true Christ and living as though he's worth more than it all. We have the opportunity today to recommit our lives to Jesus, the one who is of surpassing value, the one that we need to understand the power of his resurrection. We need to understand what it means to suffer with Christ. Because guess what? If you follow Christ, you know it. If you proclaim Jesus in this culture, what happens? You could lose business. You could lose status. You could lose face around this culture in this West because this culture's turned its back on God. But you and I have to turn to Jesus in order to suffer well through it. And finally, and being conformed to his death, in Galatians 2.20, a verse which changed my life over 25 years ago and helped me understand what it means to have Jesus as my Lord, not just my Savior. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Being conformed to the death of Christ is a lifelong journey. I don't know where you're at this morning with these challenges because hopefully this text has challenged you to one, to think about what have you lost. Because I would, I would say, and I believe the scripture would back me up, that if we haven't lost anything because of our relationship with Jesus, do we really have a relationship with Jesus? At least the Jesus of the Bible. Second, why are you righteous? Do you know that your righteousness comes through him alone? 
or are you still banking on the fact that you're a good person and that God will probably let you in? Let's get that right today. And then finally, what are your goals? Do your goals kind of look like Paul's? His, his goal was to know Jesus, the power of the resurrection, suffering, and to be conformed to his death. Last question. Has your relationship with Jesus changed the way you look at the past, how you live today, and how you plan for the future? That's the challenge that's before us in this, this passage. It's an old passage about a guy who probably doesn't matter to most, but I hope it challenges you to think that because of Jesus, how has my past changed? How am I living today? And how will I live in the future? Because Jesus changes everything. Let's pray. God, you are so gracious and so kind that you put your own son on a cross that our sin might be washed away, that we might have a relationship with you that changes everything. Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts today what it means to truly follow you, to put it all behind, and to live and to look forward to you. I pray that everyone here this morning would listen to you as you speak to their hearts. Challenge us this day to live for you. We pray these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Would you stand? God has impressed it upon your heart to make some decision related. Please stand. At, related to what you've been challenged with today. And you want to let us know that? Please write that down on the connection card in your bulletin. Tear it out. And then put it in the basket with the ushers on the way out. And that way we can come alongside you and help you to understand more about what it means to live for Jesus.